Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zalmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Kim Jones all about taking care of the caregiver. This episode is brought to you by Minnesota Functional Neurology, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in Minnesota. They have greatly helped me and many others in the Twin Cities. You can find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. For those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council, And I recently launched my Kickstarter for my second book. My second book is Embracing the Journey, Moving Forward After Brain Injury. And that is live on Kickstarter right now. If you would like to check that out, you can go to facesoftbi.com and head to the blog to find out more about that. You can also learn more about me and also see past podcasts. And also be sure to check out the Brain Health Academy that I have co-created with Sue Wilson, a CTE Hope, while you're there. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. Today, my guest is Kim Jones, and Kim is the mother of a 24-year-old TBI survivor, Jeffrey Lavell. Jeffrey's TBI was acquired in a motor vehicle accident at the age of 13, and it left him with a severe diffuse axonal injury and and left frontal lobe damage. Jeffrey was in a coma for over 40 days and endured inpatient neural rehabilitation for four months and constant outpatient rehab for the next five years. After the initial critical phase of her son's recovery, Kim experienced depression, suicide attempts, and declining physical health. At her lowest point, she finally took her doctor's advice and joined a gym, seeking to get some relief. Her hope is to encourage other caregivers to seek professional help for themselves, and she hopes to assist caregivers in finding resources for their own health as the second silent victim of TBI. Her message is, care for the caregiver, survive and thrive. The truth is that without the caregiver, there is no survivor. So welcome to the podcast, Kim. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much, Amy. I am so happy to be here. I've been watching and reading your book, so I'm very excited about it. Oh, thank you. And and I think today's topic, you know, talking about care for the caregiver, it's so important because as a caregiver, if, if your cup isn't full, you can't help others. Um, you know, if you're running on empty, right. you're, not, you're not able to help the person that you're trying to help. And, you know, I, I hear this a lot. I hear from a lot of caregivers and they're frustrated and they're at the end of their rope and they don't know what to do. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, 
just take a day off and go to the spa. <laughs> like, and, you know, really, it's so you funny really that you have say to that. recharge yourself. It is. And it, it's just, it gets to be a point where there's no place to turn because, first off, you feel horrible for feeling that way because you're expected to be the, the strong one in this caregiver-survivor relationship and you feel guilty and you feel horrible that you feel this way and and that in and of itself is a problem. But then the other part is you're just exhausted because, you know, as you know and other survivors know with TBI, it's exhausting. There's so many different ramifications of a traumatic brain injury and dealing with that as a caregiver and caring for that person is it's 24-7. It never goes away, just like the brain injury never goes away. And that's the biggest problem. There's just no relief. Right. And and oftentimes caregivers, you know, have to quit their job to be the caregiver. And so, you know, there's an oh, added yeah. burden of financial stress as well. On top of everything else, you know, you have medical Huge. bills on top of it. And, you know, it's, it's sort of a vicious circle, so to speak. Um, and, you know, like, if you run yourself exactly ragged, right. it's doing a disservice to the person you're giving care, who you're caregiving to, um, as well as the rest of your family, Every, you know, so um, it's important to take care of yourself. So, Kim, I would That's love to have exactly. you just kind of share your story, you know, in the in the bio, we briefly mm-hmm. covered it, but kind of tell us a little more about what happened you know, right. uh, with your son, but also with you and where, it, where this journey has taken you. It's, it's like you said um, in the bio, the first thing, you know, the first, I'd say four or five months or immediate months right after your loved one or spouse or whomever it is that suffers the TBI, those first couple of months are, are, are so critical. Everybody's in high gear, running 100%. It's urgent, it's, it's fresh, it's new, everybody's still strong. And I love the analogy you said, their cup is full. But then, all of a sudden, six months goes by. And that's what happened in our situation. My son was 13, and those first few months, I was running in hyper-overdrive. I was there at the hospital with him straight through, sleeping there on a cot by the bed, you know, you know, trying to maintain all the insurance paperwork and the doctor paperwork that's going through and everybody's running and running and running and everybody's very supportive because your neighbors and your family and friends all know about this emergency. But then all that starts to taper off and then you, the caregiver, kind of left on your own. And what happened for us is when Jeffrey came home four months later, and I realized, oh, my gosh, this, is, this truly is forever. And it didn't really hit me at its lowest point for two years, believe it or not. And I actually saw a crisis therapist because I, I was at my wit's end. Everything was falling apart. I was just continuously sick. I was, you know, having to go to work, having to work with him and all of that and the logistics. And the crisis therapist told me, no, this is perfect. This is the exact time that you should be having your lowest point. I said, that doesn't make any sense. It's been two years. 
why now when he's finally starting to reintegrate back into school and society, why now am I breaking down completely? And she explained that before you didn't have time. You didn't have time to break down. You didn't have time to grieve because you were in crisis mode. And now that you've got a little bit, you know, not a lot, but a little bit of breathing room, now your brain and your body and your emotions have time to come to the surface. True. And that's exactly what was happening. But in response, everything broke down mentally, emotionally, physically. You know, my weight shot up. My cholesterol shot up. My blood pressure shot up. And my doctor was at a point saying, you're, you know, you're 42 years old. You've got to do something about this right now because you have to be here for the rest of that child's life. And that's when they told me, they said, you know, you've got to start getting some exercise. And I'm thinking, you know, like you said, Amy, when do you have time? And (laughs) when do you have time? So I, you know, and I was working full time and getting him to therapy. So it it was horrifying to think that two years into this, I'm finally breaking down just when things were looking a little bit more positive, but that's, that's exactly what happened. And, And I think in the bio it does mention that at my lowest point, I just thought to myself, I can't do this anymore. I can't deal with it. I can't face it for the rest of my life. If this two years has been like this, I can't face this for the rest of my life. And that's when the crisis therapist kicked in and I had tried to commit suicide. And doing that, that was my my alarm bell sending off saying, I'm all he has. So I have to get help. And uh, just one thing that to bring to the surface is his father had passed away from cancer the year prior to his car accident. So oh, that's wow. Why I say, exactly. So that's why I say I was it. I was the last stop as far as Jeffrey, my son. You know, without yeah. me, that was it. It and really was just surface. you. Yeah, it, it literally was. And uh, that, that's when it finally said, okay, you're going. And it, it was actually my boss that said, you need to go get help. Go see these people. And she dealt, you know, with it, you know, fantastically. She was very empathetic. And she coincidentally had dealt with the 9-11 survivors as well as a crisis therapist, and, which I thought was very, very interesting. But, but even now, you know, it's been what, 11 years post-injury for him. He's 24. He's doing wonderfully, amazingly well. He just graduated with an Associate of Arts degree from college. And, you know, he's doing very well. He works part-time, lives with me. But even now, I know that it's something I have to deal with daily myself in order to help him because I still feel feelings of depression and frustration and This is never ending. It's a permanent situation, and I can't allow myself to think, what if? And that's where, you know, care for the caregiver came in. I thought, I've got to do something to keep myself thinking forward. And care for the caregiver, like you said in in the submission statement, is how to survive and thrive. So in other words, it's not enough just to survive a brain injury. The object is to do something like, what you're doing, Amy, and to thrive in your life. Not just get along, but to make it fantastic. 
and caregivers the same way. You know, and Kim, you, the, yeah. you, you mentioned something earlier, and I want to kind of circle back to it because I think it's a mm-hmm. really important point. You mentioned how in those initial weeks or even months, you had people, you know, offering their support and then it kind of just goes away. And, and I hear this very often from um, TBI survivors and caregivers, you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, they're there for us in the first couple of weeks, but then they drift away, you know? And it's like, you know, people are used to like a broken bone or, you know, whatever. And, they know, okay, six to eight weeks, he'll be in a cast, we'll help them. But a TBI isn't like that. And it, you know, like you said, he's 11 years out, and he still has, you know, some of the effects. And it's like, you know, I I just, I I guess I'm saying this for the other caregivers and and just friends and family that are listening is, we still need support. And I get it that people can't be there for us every single day, but you know, right. once in a while just offer like, Hey, can I watch the kids while you like go to the spa or just go to the mall or go get a Starbucks even, you know, like just to get right. out of the house exactly. and do something alone for yourself. I, when he was in the hospital and that first, really that first year, I would say I knew that well, I, I knew in my mind that someone was going to come by and just visit or bring me some fast food or you know watch him or entertain him for an hour or so, something in that first year or so. But after that, it it just tapered off. The friendships of you know with him at school tapered off. And and that was really hard because who was his entertainment 24 hours a day? I was. And I'm entertaining, but I'm not that entertaining. <laughs> so it, it's sort of like you're on 24 hours a day, and that takes its toll. And not to mention the fact that you, you know, like we said, you've got to deal with the paperwork and the insurance and the social security and the, all of that. It's so incredibly huge to deal with. And yeah. I, would have, I would have loved if someone would have said, hey, you know what, let me call those insurance companies for you today. That would have been great. Right. Like just helping with the paperwork or helping with making sense of it, because I know all that paperwork is so confusing. And oh my god, you know, I see TBI survivors having to deal with that paperwork, and they can't even comprehend how to make a cup of coffee in the microwave, right? And here now you're asking to fill out all these complicated papers. (laughs) And I still look at it. I mean, again, I'm 11 years post for my sons, and I still, I literally was just looking at it two days ago. I was having to go on the, you know, the disability site and look up the rules and something because I needed to answer a question for the place that he works. And that stuff is so, and I'm a reasonably intelligent person. <laughs> I have to look at this stuff. And it's just so, so time consuming and, it, and it's so complicated. But the caregivers, you, you pegged it right on the head. It's like the caregiver 
their cup has to be full because I noticed that the more down or depressed or frustrated I was, it affected my son. And with his brain injury, you know, it can be very volatile. So you've got to have your wits about you. You've got to have your patience and you've got to have the emotional energy to work with your loved one to give them the best options and the best opportunities. You know, it's it's very much like on the airplane, you know, when they do the safety information and the flight attendant says put your own life mask, your oxygen mask <laughs> on before helping those around you. And it's it's so similar, right? Like if you That's don't exactly take care right. of yourself, you're going to, you know, if you don't put that, that oxygen mask on first, you're going to black out yep. before you can even help the person next to you. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But think about this. You, there's there. I know. I'm sure everyone that's listening is familiar with the traumatic brain injury statistics that that's all we all live through. Uh, but think about like five, almost five and a half million Americans with a TBI of some sort. And then think about the fact that each one of those persons, in most cases, has a caregiver. In some cases, they may have two if they have both parents or three, you know, if you count family members, but they have a caregiver for the most part. That's like 10 million people that are dealing with TBI. They may not be the actual TBI survivor, but that's why I like to use that term silent victim. They're the other part of the equation. That's 10 million people that are incurring medical costs, medical expenses, potentially harmful mental health issues, dealing with the finances, all of that. That's a lot of people that are affected by traumatic brain injury every, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's why, so I, I kind of hid I didn't hide it, but I didn't talk much about it on Facebook that first year because I had kind of been ridiculed by some friends. And then when I finally started talking about it, I just haven't shut up since because, (laughs) you know, like just very recently, somebody that I used to play softball with, um, we lost touch, but we're still friends on Facebook. She had a totally freak accident. They were getting a float ready for a parade and she slipped and went face first into the trailer and oh cut her face open, cut her head open, suffered a brain, broke her, um, is it occipital? The, wow. the, the eye, the eye bone, um, and suffered a, a you know, pretty severe concussion. And so she reached out and I sent her my book and, you know, it's like, oh my gosh. I have people all the time like, hey, Amy, I know we don't really know each other in real life, but a client of mine just suffered a brain injury. You know, where can I send them? So that's why I don't stop talking about it, because every 11 seconds, someone in the United States will have a brain injury. And that number is staggering. So the chances that, that, you know, somebody knows somebody (laughs) is really good. Right. And the more we can get this information out there, the more it just helps everybody. And don't you, you know, notice, don't you notice that? that in the last, don't you notice that like in the last 10 years or so, it's become so much more prevalent 
being discussed and talked about before this, you never heard about a traumatic brain injury. Right. And, you know, I'm only 10 years. I'm only four years into this journey. And I know that first year I felt very alone. I didn't know anyone really who'd had a brain injury. And I didn't, you know, I was like, because, you know, like, you know, my mom just had breast cancer and all of her girlfriends have gone through it. So, you know, like there's a whole community of people who are able to help her. Whereas I didn't know anyone and people were perplexed. You know, my family tried their best, but they didn't know what to do with me. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I I really think, what was that? I know that's how I felt when my son had this. I was like, what does that mean? I literally remember looking at the trauma surgeon the night of his accident and saying, okay, is he okay? And him saying his first words were, this is going to be a marathon, not a sprint. And I thought, what does that mean? There's not a (laughs) mark on this child's body. He was in this massive car accident. His sister, you know, my daughter, was looked like she had been in a war zone. But my son had not one mark on his body. And I'm looking at him like, why is he asleep? You know, did, Isn't you, that did you give him, yeah, did you give him some medication? What did you give him? And the trauma surgeon is just like, no, he has a severe traumatic brain injury. Well, that meant nothing to me. Yeah. And yeah, I was thinking along the lines of, okay, a month, a couple of weeks, and it just didn't hit me. And I don't think it hit me probably for a year. You know, like I said, that one or two-year mark is when the caregivers are facing the infinity time sentence, basically, of this TBI. You know, like I you just said, started... No one knew about it. I just started reading Chris Nowinski's book called Head Games, and he was um, a WWE wrestler, and he talks about, you know, it was about 10, 11 years ago, he had a pretty bad concussion and couldn't figure out what was wrong with him, and the doctors would always be like, and he's going, like, to really good doctors, right? And they were like, oh, you should be better in a few weeks. And then he wasn't. And he's like, what the hell's wrong with me? And then he finally found um, Dr. Cantu in, I think, Boston. And and that was the first doctor that looked at him and said, okay, now tell me, have you ever had a concussion before? And he's like, I don't know. Well, okay, let's, let's, let's look at it a different way. Have you ever felt woozy or headachey or anything after, you know, a hit? Well, yeah. You know, and, and so, I mean, even in my own experience just four years ago, I dealt with some of the same type of doctors right. like, oh, you should be better in a few weeks. You know, I think your son had a severe brain injury. You know, he was in a coma. It's a little more obvious to the doctors that there's probably going to be right. some residual problems. But in my case, I was walking, I was talking, I was driving. Um, oh, yeah, you'll be better in a few weeks. And I can't imagine as a caregiver how frustrating that would be to see your child not getting better in a few weeks exactly. and keep, 
being told that they should be because then you're like, well, okay, what's real? Like, I know in my case, I was like, well, do I have like a brain tumor or something? Like, what's wrong with me? And I mean, I'd had an MRI, so I knew that wasn't the case, but it was like, it's just, it's so exhausting. And I know uh, I actually have a friend of our family who has a loved one who suffered, was in a car accident. And that's a similar situation to yours. Should be fine. Everything's good, though. But there are behavioral issues. And I'm thinking, you know, there's no way this person got out of that car accident unscathed. There's yeah. no way. There's got to be a connection. But so far, you know, everybody's saying, nope, all good. And you know, the behavioral issues have escalated. They've gotten more dramatic, you know, in intensity. And I'm thinking that's there is, that has got to be related. It has to be. It's just too, too different. And the, you know, the symptoms are right there. And, but there again, you know, unless you've got a doctor who's willing to educate themselves on brain injury and be aware of it and consider it, then it's going to go undiagnosed. And then what's going to happen? They're going to try and go to school or work. And then the workplace is not going to have the patience to deal with it at all. I have definitely heard that, read about it. They're, they just don't, well, A, they don't have time, and it's not their specialty. They're there to run a business or what have you, and that's what they focus on. But if they've got an employee there who has a traumatic brain injury, if someone took the time to diagnose it properly, they could get accommodations. They could perhaps get vocational rehab uh, to assist and help train them and attend cognitive training, something to help them in their job. And I know that um, finding voc rehab counselors that deal with traumatic brain injury is really difficult. There are a few, I know here in, in Arizona, and I know here in Arizona, we have one, one primary voc rehab counselor uh, who is truly wow. trained with traumatic brain injury. And it's kind of, it's frustrating, but it's also a little bit frightening. Um, you know, I've met people over over the past couple of years who have been in a car accident or had a friend or a relative and they're like they're not the same you know like they <laughs> never were told they had a brain injury or a concussion like that was never addressed but the person is not the same whether it's you know like they can't do math like they used to or they get angry easier or they can't remember things. Like, it's like, yeah, if you were in a car accident, there's a really good chance you had a brain injury. Exactly. And, and it's just so overlooked. And, you know, there, the, there is hope for people, you know? So if, if, if you can get into treatment early enough, I mean, you, you, you can see improvement at any point in your recovery, but I mean, the sooner you can hit recovery, um, the sooner you can get into rehab, the better, right? Like the better, the sooner you can get Absolutely. back to work and get back to your, your life. Um, but Kim, I want you, I want to kind of switch gears here. Um, what advice do you have for caregivers? What, what, like, so I know, you know, you have your mission, um, thriving and surviving. 
What What are some things you recommend? What have you found to help you? I I really try to get some things that were all about me that had nothing to do with traumatic brain injury and and caregivers. That makes us feel selfish. That makes us feel, oh, we're a bad person because we're thinking about ourselves, not our loved one. But you've got to find something separate and apart from that brain injury that you're passionate about, that you love to do. And once I forced myself to walk into a gym, not many people like the gym. Once (laughs) I got used to it, (laughs) once I got used to it, I found that that was my time. You're so busy focusing on what you're doing in the gym, you can't think about that brain injury. And the other thing that I found I have truly developed a passion for is hiking. And it doesn't have to be hiking, but it's the fact that you're finding something that is just focused on that event. You can't think about anything else. Hiking, to me, takes on a whole new meaning because I know my son can't do it. So every step I take, every you know crazy adventure I go on regarding the outdoors or exercise, I think about the fact that he can't do it and that I have to zero in on one foot in front of the other, and that just continues the whole thing. Keep going, keep going, keep going. So I've picked up exercise, hiking, being outdoors, and really just going out and speaking about it and meeting people. And it keeps me from feeling isolated and alone by hearing from other people. Yeah, I think, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, like you said, going to the gym or joining a book club or a knitting club or a quilting club, you know, whatever it is that you like to do. Um, Guys, you know, it could be hunting or, a car club. I don't know what exists out there right. for dudes, but <laughs> you know, even if you're it's just anything. getting out once in a month or, you know, like you just have to have some quality time where you just don't even think about it. And and you said something early in, in your discussion of it about some people feel guilty and, you know, I get where that comes from, you know, like you, like you said, he can't hike, but you can, you know, and, and you have to just realize that in reality, taking care of yourself is taking care of your loved one. Um, Cause like we said early on, you know, you, if you don't have a full cup, you can't help keep the other cups full. Um, Exactly. So just getting over that guilt yeah, I know it's easier said than done, but it's so critical to have you time, alone time. It doesn't have to be alone time, but you, you, your own time without the loved one um, or even the rest of your family, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> Escape the whole household. <laughs> it is. And, and even, I mean, you'd be shocked. An hour of not thinking about that brain injury is invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kim, how can, do you have a website for your caregiver, caring for the caregiver? I'm on Facebook, and I have a page called Traumatic Brain Injury Survivor. Okay. And that's and a page? Just some, yeah, it's a Facebook page, and it's just got some ideas on dealing with finances, mental health issues for the caregiver, yeah. physical therapy, ideas for book rehab, things like that. 
Wonderful. Is there anything we didn't touch on that you had wanted to mention? Just that if you are the caregiver, it's so important to get assistance for yourself, for your mental well-being, physical well-being, but also never, ever forget, and this is the accountant in me speaking, I'm a CPA, so don't yeah. ever forget that... <laughs> Don't ever forget that there are things financially that you need to deal with for your loved yeah. one. Estate planning, if that applies, and just dealing with the finances. Make sure that they're taken care of in case something happens to you. That's so important for them. Yeah. Yes, especially if um, your child, like, you know, your child's an adult, but exactly. he still be dependent on you. Like, you need to have plans in case something does happen. Like, where will he Absolutely. go? Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very good advice. Well, Kim, thank you so much for being here today. I, you know, talking about the caregiver is so critical and I, you know, I sometimes think I don't talk about it enough. So thank you for being here. Thank you for reaching out and, and just sharing your story. And, you know, it's, and, and I think another piece of advice would be if you're feeling really depressed or anxious or alone, you know, get that professional help. As a caregiver, you know, yeah, the key is don't feel weak because really it's an act of strength. If you reach out. Absolutely. Great point. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much, Amy. And thank you all for listening. I really hope that you guys got some good golden nuggets from Kim today. Um, A really important topic, um, you know, as a caregiver, you need to take care of yourself. Um, so as always, you can go to faces of and catch any of our previous podcasts. Um, we're coming up on 60 episodes. So that's super exciting. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And another big shout out to our sponsor, Minnesota Functional Neurology. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. And thank you again for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. And I will see you guys all again next time. Have a wonderful day, everyone.